Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Marvel Standom. This week, we are discussing episode five of Loki, and it's a big one. With me this week, and next week, and the week after, for all time and always, I have Denna Geek News and Features Editor, Kirsten Howard, and Denna Geek TV Editors, Alec Bajalan and Katie Burt. This is Journey Into Mystery, which Thor fans will recognize as, as a pretty significant name. That's the name of the book that first introduced the Marvel Comics versions of Thor and Loki to the world. It's a pretty mysterious episode. And with all the Easter eggs and fun stuff that it brought to brought to the table, it also finally like really gets us close to the, the big mystery of the series, which is who is the big villain here? So let's get it started. Kirsten, why don't you tell us what went down? In episode five, Loki got to know more variant versions of himself while trapped in the void, and he and Sylvie attempted to unravel the mystery behind the creation of the TVA. And there were so many variant versions of Loki. We thought that the post credit scene last week was a big deal. This one is like a Loki fiesta. Um, does anybody have a favorite Loki? You know, it's hard for me to ever choose against an animal version of a character or an animal version of anything but I might have to give the nod to Kid Loki. Yeah, I was so excited about Alligator Loki last week. And I mean, he was fine, but this is a really good episode for <laughs> OG Loki, I think. He might, be my, he might be my favorite Loki. I'm going with Alligator Loki this week. <laughs> last week, I was very much pro Richard E. Grant, and he was terrific in this episode. But every time I saw Alligator Loki, I just bust up laughing. I could not take anything that was happening seriously because it was just so distractingly funny. So yeah, it's it's got to be Alligator Loki for me. I want to make clear too, when I say OG Loki, I actually mean Tom Hiddleston and not Richard E. Grant. <laughs> I know there's a lot of Easter eggs we have to get to, and there is the big villain mystery that we have to get to, and but we can't we can't spend any more time unless we dig into the mysteries of classic Loki, in part because Richard E. Grant is just such an incredible presence here. But there is the possibility that he is like the secret villain of this show, even though we kind of don't want him to be after how kind of like, you know, world weary and charming he is here. Who wants to try and unpack what, uh, what classic Loki's story is here? Because he does kind of give the audience like a good indicator of who he is, why he's here, and what makes him different from OG Loki. Well, classic Loki seems to have survived the Avengers Infinity War, uh, Loki death by Thanos, and has gone on to hide away for uh, many, many years, um, but just ended up being really lonely and missing Thor. And of course, as soon as he stepped out of the shadows, the TVA pruned him at least as far as we know, but there's a lot of people online wondering whether this is all a uh, diversion and that perhaps he isn't really dead after all. This was just another projection um, and another 
ruse on Loki's part. I think if any of these Lokis we met is secretly the villain. <laughs> I'm voting for Kid Loki. <laughs> he just very casually drops the the nugget that he killed Thor. And although I think there's space there to to believe that he regretted it, and maybe he does, there I still I just still have a lot of unanswered questions. I don't think it's really a coincidence that um, the show has gone out of its way several times now, particularly this week, to point out how powerful a Loki can be. Um, You know, we've seen it with Sylvie's enchanting abilities, and now we add classic Loki's large scale, whatever. He basically builds a city out of nothing, even if it's not real. Uh, So it just feels like it's happened too often now to be a, a total coincidence. It feels like the, how powerful a Loki is capable of being will play into the end game in some, one way or another. And perhaps that's with classic Loki being the man behind the curtain. I'm also curious if we could meet another Sylvie or her role. I don't know. There is a lot this episode, especially in the conversation between her and Loki, where she asks him, like, you're not going to betray me, right? But they don't have the opposite. They don't have the reverse of that conversation, um, and there's still we- so much we don't know about where she's come from. We don't know what her nexus event was. We don't know what happened to her Thor, her family. I'm not ready to say she's a villain, and I think I would be sad if that were the thematic um, conclusion to this season. Um, but I do still have a lot of questions. There's been a lot of focus on if the OG Loki will choose to betray these connections he's made this season. But I wonder if our other protagonist might might have a role, a different role. You're right. That would be a real thematic bummer. It would be. After they shared a blanket. Question about that. Um, <laughs> aren't they aren't they canonically ice giants? <laughs> I was not expecting oh, that to be your question. That's a, you know what? That's a very good. That's a very good. Yeah, that's a very good question. Like they, they should not be getting cold unless, unless. Hold on, hold on. What if this is Loki's way of tricking the truth out of Sylvie, and he's just like pretending to be cold to see if uh, to see if she needs a blanket, and now Loki knows that something is up with Sylvie, or he's just. Wants to cuddle. You guys are so like, cynical. Fine, yeah. I was going with the cuddling route. He just wants, to, it, he just wants to make a move. Was it just me? Or did the entire time you think that Loki was just on the verge of pulling the old... Like the yawn and stretch. Like it was just lingering there and it never happened. Like, <laughs> Let's keep the villain discussion going. Who is the real villain behind all the goings on on Loki? We've talked about Kid Loki, we've talked about Classic Loki, we've even had some kind of cynical speculation, sorry Katie, about Sylvie. But there's a couple of other big looming possibilities here that we just cannot ignore anymore. Kirsty, you're our resident Latverian. What do you what do you feel about the possibilities that uh, Dr. Doom is behind this stuff? It's you know what? Back in December, I wrote an article which is retrospectively full of nonsense where that speculated that Doctor Doom would be the secret villain of Loki. As soon as the series started, I was like, it's not going to be Doctor Doom. Like as, as it got closer, as the, as the episodes progressed, I was like, well, clearly that was just so way off. It's untrue. Um, 
And now here we are, a week from the finale, and I'm starting to believe that it's a possibility. <laughs> You're more yeah. powerful than you think, Kirsty. <laughs> I willed it into existence. Yeah, I willed it into existence. Um, yeah, the castle that we see at the end there very much looks like Doomstat from like Battleworld. I want to believe this show is going to introduce Doctor Doom into the MCU and finally do the character right. Personally, I rather enjoyed that Doctor Doom article, uh, and I think I kind of <laughs> egged you. On, I think I kind of egged you on when you were writing it, and that's yeah, a good place did. to remind everybody. You can find all of our Loki coverage, folks, at denageek.com slash Loki. It's all in one place. Go there, read everything we're doing. That's where we go a little bit more in depth than we do on the show. But, you know, once the show started, I'm with you, Kirsty. Like, I didn't really necessarily think that Doom was going to be at the heart of this anymore. But then people kept pointing out, like, these little similarities to things like Secret Wars, which Doom was at the center of, and the idea of a multiverse and like, you know, multiverse shattering events. And now this castle that looks like, you know, looks like Doomstock. Um, it's probably not. It's okay. probably who we think it is. It's probably Kang the Conqueror, isn't it? Katie, Alex, <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk about, do you want to bring us back to reality here? This is going to shock you, but I don't want to bring you back to reality. <laughs> um, you got like, look, we were all, we clearly fell into a, like a deep, like joint illusion when it came to WandaVision. Like we all fed into each other. It was a mess. Nobody made any sense. People were talking about Mephistos and nightmares. There are enough breadcrumbs now that I don't think saying the K word is really out of line. You know, two previous shows doesn't make a pattern. And I think that we're still learning about what that what Marvel strategy is when it comes to integrating and building the MCU with with these TV shows. I think anything could happen. But I mean, it happened in Falcon and Winter Soldier, too. We, we were like, who's the power broker? And it turned out to be Sharon Carter at the end. Like, of course, it's very possible that, you know, we get to this end, the, the end of Loki and that it does turn out to be another another loki or you know renslayer in terminatrix form or whatever like there's lots of possibilities for characters we've already met um but i'm hoping for a huge surprise i i do want to be like shocked in the finale so fingers crossed personally i find myself on team kang more and more uh in part because Kang, is, Kang has been cast. Like, Jonathan Majors is playing this character, and he is going to be the villain of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Like, Kang is really a major Fantastic Four villain, and they're teeing him up in Ant-Man 3 rather than saving him for the FF movie. So I think there's really something to be said for them, for them like, laying the groundwork here and helping to get people excited for you know, for, for a movie that they might have kind of forgotten is coming out in the first place. I think it's just more reason to introduce Doctor Doom <laughs> we don't need to see you know the backstory of doom just throw him in there and have be him have him be an absolute menace i will say this though i'm sorry i had to like grab a pen to emphasize this <laughs> yeah. point i will say this it would explain why latveria being ruled by this high-tech despot has not been a thing in the mcu because He's just simply not there. Like he's somewhere in, you know, he's somewhere in the time stream. He's in the void. He's wreaking havoc with the TVA. Like that would kind of explain why Dr. Doom and Latveria and Doom related concepts haven't been a factor in the MCU up to now. And then we can go back to dealing with things like origin stories in the future. I feel like there are some big reasons why Kang 
is likely, I'll even say is likely the villain. And that is um, this kind of story just works with him. He's invested in time, space, continuum, multiverses, all of the weird, heady sci-fi Marvel stuff. He's just a perfect fit for it. And then on a superficial level, uh, they're just, they're shouting him out aesthetically in all these little ways. Um, like Kirsten, you called to my attention, someone on Twitter posted that the TVA logo looks like his head. Um, and the timekeepers kind of look like our classic conception of Kang. There's just enough smoke now where that I am, I'm willing to stand up and yell fire. One of the few things I know about Renslayer is that she is romantically linked to Kang in the, in the comics. There was some questioning around that in this episode. We saw the conversation between Renslayer and B-15. It's unclear what she knows. It's unclear who she knows. And it seems like that could come into play in the final episode, potentially with a Kang reveal. For any viewers who are wondering why we're not really talking in detail about the history of Kang the Conqueror or like, you know, who he is and what he does, that's because Kang gives me a migraine. You know, Katie, you're always kind of qualifying these statements with things like, well, I don't really read the comics that much. It doesn't matter. I have been reading comics since I have known how to read. And Kang makes very little sense to me whatsoever. Depending on what day you catch Kang on, he's Immortus, he's Ramatut. He's Nathaniel Richards. He's related to Victor Von Doom. It doesn't matter. Whatever they do with Kang on this show or in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, this is going to be the first time in the character's history he's ever made a lick of sense. And I welcome that. So, you know, bring it on. Bring on Kang in episode six. Let's have it. I love the phrase, depending on what day you catch King, as if you like run into him at your local coffee shop, you might be like, musical King. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we, th th there was like a rave Loki today. So musical Kang is not that is really not that out of the question. You heard it here first, folks. I, I understood that reference. This episode is so Easter egg heavy and is so full of stuff that is like specifically designed to push my buttons and Kirsten's buttons. Like it's just Easter egg after Easter egg after Easter egg after Easter egg. And I want to know, Alec, Katie, how did you feel about this? Like, was this alienating to you? Or were you just like, cool, like there's a frog Thor, bring it on, like, let's go. I was into it. I miss frog Thor, but the moment I saw Thanos copter, like much like Steve Rogers, I get that reference. <laughs> Look, I'm happy when you nerds are having a good time. It does, it's no skin off my back. <laughs> yeah, I actually rewound to watch Frog Thor again because I was just like, wait, what? And I like those as like entry points too to potential internet rabbit holes or comic book reading, should you be interested. This setting might be the best chance the MCU has had so far to do that. It literally takes place like on a trash pile of Easter eggs. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I didn't get all of it, but the setting was full of, of richness. Just go for it. You know, <laughs> what what happens in the void stays in the void. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there, there's a way to do to uh, Easter eggs that's alienating, and there's a way to do them that kind of adds to the verisimilitude of the whole piece. The Thanos copter in particular, like, this isn't even something from, like, mainline Marvel Comics continuity. Like, this is something from a branch, what would be considered a branch reality within Marvel Comics as well. For anybody who doesn't know, like, in, in, in the 70s, there was a book called Spidey Super Stories, which was more, like, all ages appropriate 
storytelling. One thing that has become a meme and is just like always held up as the most ridiculous example of this stuff is like Spider-Man meets Thanos and he's got his own helicopter. And now here it is officially part of MCU continuity. Frog Thor is a big deal. <laughs> like, like, like Frog Thor, I know, I know that's hard to believe, but Frog Thor comes from like Walt Simonson did this incredible extended run on the Thor comics. And that is where the TVA were first introduced. Like, and there was a, there was a storyline where Thor got turned into the Frog of Thunder. I cannot say enough good things about Walt Simonson's Thor comics. They are beautiful. They are beautiful, sprawling, epic, just amazing works of comics. And right in the middle of it, there's like a famous cover with like Thor leaping out at you, like, like you know, as a frog, like whirling Mjolnir around him. And it's incredible. This is actually an Easter egg that works for Marvel Comics fans and people who are just familiar with the MCU. Throg was actually uh, brought up in Thor Ragnarok uh, when Loki was posing as Odin and he had um, commissioned a play. Matt Damon was playing Loki and as he lay dying in Thor's arms or Luke Hemsworth's arms. Sorry about that time, I turned you into a frog. It was a wonderful joke. So this has actually been mentioned before. So it's it works on both levels. But there's another one that I think ties ties greatly into the themes of the show and the mysteries of the TVA. We see like the severed head of a character called the Living Tribunal on the ground at one point. And the Living Tribunal is like a late 60s, really weird Marvel character who I believe was introduced in the Doctor Strange story. So here we go with the multiverse of madness again. Just the idea that the, that the Living Tribunal once existed in the MCU is all the proof that you need that the multiverse is already a thing. Because, because the Living Tribunal exists specifically to protect the multiverse from mystical threats. So even though the Living Tribunal has been pruned and apparently beheaded, like this thing was alive and well at some point. And this goes back to what Alec was saying a couple of weeks ago about the, the status of the multiverse and what the TVA is really up to. What do you think of this, Alec? Like I said, it's, it's impossible to avoid a multiverse. It is just nothing you can do. There's no decision you can make that won't have 90 trillion equal and opposite reactions in a trillion different directions across the time stream. Uh, so it would make sense to me that Mr. Uh, Living Man is dead uh, because <laughs> the, the age of the multiverse is already here, whether the TVA wants it to be here or not. There's like some kind of real world references that are kind of fun too. Uh, the first of these like is we can see Kid Loki is drinking a high C juice box and it's Ecto Cooler, which is um, the know, best flavor. Like, yeah, like it's it's basically it was basically like a like a citrus cooler, but a Ghostbusters themed one and it's bright green. Um, and this has not been manufactured in years. It was briefly brought back in 2016. But for the most part, Ecto Cooler is like a relic of the late 80s and early 90s. And here's Kid Loki drinking Ecto Cooler which ties nicely to what we've seen in earlier episodes, which shows that the TVA is able to get snacks and soft drinks from anywhere in the timeline that they want. Like we've seen them drinking things like Josta Cola, which hasn't been made since 1999. I think it means that the showrunners grew up, came of age in the 90s. <laughs> and that's it, yeah. <laughs> there's a really weird one though, which is there's a video game called Polybius that is just kind of like collecting dust in the corner of the Loki lair there. and. I hadn't even heard of this. And this goes back to like, you know, like 
like my childhood hanging around in actual video arcades and apparently polybius was a machine that like never reached like a widespread audience it was like only in a few arcades in the pacific northwest where the showrunners grew up where the showrunners <laughs> grew up no <laughs> um like but apparently this like there's like all these urban legends surrounding this that said that actually polybius was this cia psyop that was made to monitor like the behavior patterns of of like video game people and it caused like seizures and it made people hear voices and like none of this has ever been corroborated and like you know it's hard to even find people who actually claim to have played this game but the fact that they chose this i think is a very kind of canny thing where it's like you know was polybius designed by a loki to just like mess with people and like you know and just like like have fun or is this just another instance of a loki wanting to play a game that not a lot of people have played but it would be the kind of mischievous vibe that we've seen from uh from our various loki friends and alec you caught something kind of interesting about that battleship that shows up in the middle of the episode yeah, so the USS Eldridge, which I keep on wanting to call the USS Enterprise, <laughs> I, can't, I always have to like be careful when I say it, but the USS Eldridge was an actual uh, U.S. naval warship that was commissioned in like 1942 and lasted through the early 90s, but its claim to fame was being at the center of a conspiracy theory called the Philadelphia Experiment in which some governmental higher-ups claimed that they were experimenting in the Philadelphia Harbor on warships to make them invisible and render them completely invisible to the human eye. There was also a movie in, the, in 1984 called The Philadelphia Experiment, which posited that in the course of these like cloaking experiments, uh, they actually ended up sending the ship uh, you know, from from the 1940s to 1984, it was like a time travel thing. So when you when you add that movie into this, it kind of fits the theme of Loki just that much more. All right. So one last time before we sign off for the day, where does everybody stand on who the big villain of Loki is? I'm a Kang guy. I'm sticking with Kang the Conqueror. Let's do it. Alec, where are you at with the villain with the villain thing? I genuinely cannot believe I a believe this and b am about to say this, but. I absolutely believe it's Kang the Conqueror. I've got everything riding on Doom now. I'm I'm all in, against all reason. I don't have everything riding on this, um, <laughs> but I'm gonna mix it up and go with uh, some version of Sylvie. We're gonna revisit this next week, but that's it for this week's episode of Marvel Standom. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure you hit us up on denegeek.com. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back actually with a bonus episode this week for Black Widow and then we'll be back again next week for the season finale of Loki. Thanks for watching and we'll see you soon. Thanks for watching Denim Geek Presents Marvel Standom. We'll be back every week with new episodes breaking down all the hottest developments in the MCU. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Denim Geek US. Turn on notifications and you'll be the first to know when our next episode releases. Watch along with us on Twitch at Denim Geek TV. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Den of Geek. Want breaking Marvel news as it happens? Be sure to follow at Marvel Standom on Twitter. We want to hear from you. Got a burning MCU or comics question you need answered? Drop us a line at marvelstandom at denofgeek.com and we'll answer your questions on future episodes. 